you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Just don't rely on what I'm reading and what I'm talking about. Open your Bible, join us. Maybe there's something there that you'll want to underline or highlight. Have your highlighter there ready for uh, to highlight a, a verse in the Bible. We're going to talk about one of the verses uh, in this chapter that is very popular. Uh, and that is verse 10 about the love of money. Amen. So we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. And I'm going to be using uh, the translation called the Passion, the Passion Bible translation. And we're going to talk about several themes, uh, riches and godliness, false teaching and the love of money. And then uh, final charge to Timothy, final advice that Paul gives to, Tim to Timothy as he uh, directs the church. Amen. And um, so we'll be uh, studying this uh, chapter today and th this evening that God gives us wisdom and uh, puts words uh, in his in my mouth that that are from him. Uh, I never want to talk about my own interpretation or my own feeling. Uh, just sharing what God has placed in my heart as I studied this word and and looked about it. Um, and so let's get started. So dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus just to thank you for this time together that we can have with your people as we study your word and we talk about it, Lord, that you be with us, that your Holy Spirit uh, opens our eyes and opens our heart. And as we read your word, Lord, and share it from our heart, that it can be a blessing to us, that uh, that we can learn from it, that we can apply it to our lives, that we can see uh, uh, the truth in it and, and apply it to our lives, Lord. So we just give you the glory and the praise uh, this evening. Praise God. So uh, the new uh, international version starts out, and so does the King James. Um, starts. Let me read the first two verses in that version. It said, All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teachings may not be slandered. Those who have been believing, those who have believing masters, should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to their welfare of their slaves. These are the things that you are to teach and insist on us. So I'm changing the version to a more contemporary version. Uh, because we don't uh, practice slavery anymore, but in a sense, how it was practiced uh, during Bible times and here in the United States um, uh, many, many uh, years ago. But today, the word is still relevant because we're going to use a, a, a translation that is more contemporary to what we do. Although, you know, slavery in in a sense still exists because we are slaves to many things uh time money 
uh, desires, and and we need to uh, keep that under subjection to the Lord. So, First Timothy chapter six, the Passion translation talks about riches and godliness, and it starts with this verse: uh, instruct every employee. Now, now that's talking to us, employee, to respect and honor their employers. For this is the attitude, for this attitude presents to them a clear testimony of God's truth and renown. So have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought of that your job and how well you do your job is a testimony to those that are around you? Not your witnessing, not your words, not using company time to, to bring someone to Christ, but you're working the way you work, your work ethic. Amen. This is the first thing that Paul talks to Timothy about. And he tells him, instruct every employee, all of us, to respect and honor our employers. For this attitude presents to them a clear testimony of God's truth and renown. Isn't that wonderful news? That the way we do our job with with heart all, with all of our heart with gladness, amen. That that it's a testimony to our Lord, amen. Tell them never to provide. Tell them to never provide them with a reason to discredit God's name because of their actions. Praise the Lord. The way we do our job, the things, the way we behave at work. Amen. Should be all to glorify the Lord, all to glorify and give glory to the Lord and not ourselves. And and also to know that God is with us, that they can say, hey, you know what? There is something different about him. There is something different about her, you know, and then that's going to cause them to ask you, ask us, you know, why? Why are you so happy? Why do you always give your 100 percent, you know, in, in, in a world where where our where they teach us where they want us to 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 take whatever we can and to take advantage of every opportunity or or cut every corner but no but Paul's telling Timothy no you teach them okay those that are employees teach them to respect and honor their employers because this attitude presents to them a clear testimony of God's truth and renown, okay, uh, God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. The other, the other version says, "Amen." So that way we bring light, truth, and joy to God's word and God's presence in our lives, Amen. Especially honor and respect employers who are believers and don't despise them. Praise the Lord. Have you ever been in that situation? Maybe as the boss, you're a believer and employees because you know, they know that you're a believer. They just want to take advantage of you. Are you one of those that take advantage of that situation? Ah, oh, I can be late. I'll be late. You know, the, anyway, brother, brother, the boss, he's the, he's my brother, you know, in Christ. So he'll forgive me. No, absolutely not. So here's instruction that Paul is giving Timothy to tell us at the church. If you're an employee you should give your 100%. You should give your all. And the other verse tells us to work as is of the Lord. Colossians uh, 3. And I'll read that a little later. But let's continue this. 
especially honor and respect employers who are believers and don't despise them. Don't be mad at them for them doing their job. You know, sometimes we get upset. If we have a, a Christian employer, if we have a Christian boss, you know, he has to call our attention if we're doing wrong, but then we get upset. Well, don't get upset because this is what he's supposed to do. All it says that what we should do is serve them even more, okay? For they are fellow believers. They should be at peace with them as beloved members of God's family. In other words, we should, if our, if our boss is a believer, we should have their back, in other words. We should do everything that we can so that everyone in that company, uh, that where we're at, talks about us in a positive light. That the, that the unbeliever doesn't come have to go to the boss and say, Hey, I thought, I thought, isn't Frank, doesn't he go to your church? Isn't he one of those Christians? Well, why is he, why is he stealing from the company? Why does he come in late all the time? Why does he get to leave early? Why is he, why is he asking us to clock him out? Huh? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is that what's going on? Oh my God, look what God is telling us today, this night. Praise the Lord, especially honor and respect employers who are believers. So if we have a, a, a boss that who is a believer, we should honor them and love them and, and, and work for them even more than those that are not believers, okay? So should have their back and be in peace with them as beloved members of God's family, said, being faithful to teach them these things as their sacred obligation. Paul is telling Timothy, teach this to them. So tonight, this is the this is the lesson that we're giving to us as employees, that we should do our best, that we should do everything we can as an employee, give our 100%, and if our boss is Christian and a believer, even to do more. And to have a better testimony, have a better work ethic. So that first, that the Lord does not be discredited and that our teaching of the gospel is not discredited. You know, how sad it is when people think of you and think of me and they discredit the gospel of Jesus Christ. They discredit the gospel and say, I thought, the, I thought he was a Christian. Huh. Why is he doing that? And this is what Paul is telling Timothy, teach us them, teach the employees, teach the, the brethren of the, of the church this, okay? The same principles apply to our occupation today. When we look, when we work hard and honor our employers, it glorifies God. But when we are bad workers and disrespect our supervisors, it brings shame on the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Whoever understands love will be able to serve without expecting anything in return as equal treatment. To serve is born of a heart de detached from all vanity, which does not expect recognition. That is why disciples of Christ, his apostles, call themselves the least in the kingdom, for they know that humbling oneself is the way to freedom in the spirit. In other words, my brothers, and sisters uh, that I'm talking to tonight, okay? So we should do all we can to give a positive testimony at the work job, at the work site, in our jobs, in our employment, okay? So that they, 
as we preach the word of God and as we share Christ and we share the 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 love that Jesus puts in our hearts for humanity, people can say, "Yeah, I believe it." You know, they don't preach by word too much. At, at, you know, they share and they talk talk about it. But you know what? They don't. They only. Don't, they don't only talk about it. They live it. I can see it in their actions. You know, while others in the company may be doing things that are are wrong, maybe taking supplies from work. You know, that happens. You know, maybe you've been guilty about uh, 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 on some of these on some accounts. Maybe you've been uh, abusive in 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 a in a situation where you're where your employer, your boss is Christian, and you feel that, oh, well, it's okay. You know, we're cool. We're we're cool like that. No, but Paul is telling Timothy, hey, teach the church. Teach those that are there and tell them, "Don't, don't do that. Don't let the name of Jesus Christ, don't let the gospel of Jesus Christ be slandered for our bad work ethic, okay? But try and do the best that you can. If they ask you to do something, you know, do it. If it's your job to do it, then you should do it with all your heart. Paul says in Colossians 3, chapter chapter 3, verse 22 through 24, Lisa says, Let every employee listen well and follow the instructions of their employer, not just when their employers are watching and not in pretense, but faithful enough in all things. Amen. In other words, just don't do it when they're looking at you. This has to be an attitude. This has to be your work ethic. Okay? You don't punch in at time just because the, the boss is standing there at the time clock. No. If he's not there, you're punching in on time. If he's not there, you're you're there. You know, you're you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be. Okay, and then it says, For we are to live our lives with pure hearts. In the constant awe and wonder of our Lord God. Imagine that. Applying that principle in our workspace, where, we're, where God has opened a door for us to give a to give us a job, applying that that awe and wonder of our Lord God to do the best that we can, because we, you know that we're not serving man, we're serving God. And we're a living testimony. A living testimony of how a Christian should be and what the gospel is actually doing in our lives. Amen. If the gospel is not transforming you, if it's not making you better every day, something's going on. That's what Paul is telling Timothy to teach the church, teach those. Okay. If you're having trouble at work uh, and and, and you're not giving a, a, a good witness, a good testimony for the gospel, something's going on. Because the word is alive. The word, the Bible says, is, is, is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it goes all the way deep into the marrow of the bone. Into, it, splits there, it splits all the way in there. So the word that we hear every Sunday in church, every Bible study, should be doing something in our hearts. If it's not doing nothing in our hearts and it's not transforming us, something's wrong, people. We need to we need to wake up. We need to ask God, why isn't your word working in my heart? What is in there that's not allowing me to grow? That's not allowing me to have a, a good work ethic, to 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 show 
the people that are around me that God actually lives in my life and that his word is doing something in my life. So he says, put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Imagine when we go into work, when we go in to serve Christ, you know, don't do things at, at church just because pastor asks you. Do things because God expects it from you. Because you're serving the Lord and you want to do your best. You know, we cannot give you any type of reward here that's worthy worthy, and, and, and in recompense for what you do. The one that's going to do that is Jesus Christ when we're before him. You know, we can give you a few dollars here and there, maybe, you know, an offering, maybe, eh, 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 you know, but that's not going to, that's not, that's not going to be enough for the, for the gratitude and for the attitude that you have in serving the Lord. So whatever you do, whether it be at work, at home, uh, uh, at church, do it for a, of the Lord. We use a saying a lot here at home, Mabel and I and the kids. Solo por salir de paso. You only did it just to get to get to get it done. No. And here the word is saying, do it with all your heart. Do it because you're doing it for the Lord Himself and not merely for others. Imagine that doing it when we have that attitude, that mentality that we're doing it for the Lord. Man, we're gonna give our hundred percent and even more. We're gonna go beyond the call of duty. Okay? And we're not going to stop. We're going to help. We're going to reach out. We're going to touch those lives. And they're going to see us. And they're going to say, yeah, you know what? There is something different about John. There is something different about uh, Maria. I guess they really do believe in God. I guess they really do believe that the word transforms their lives. You know, they're very different than the rest of the employees here. Praise the Lord. Don't let it be uh, like, like at school, okay? Let me give you a teacher moment here. That sometimes I'll ask a question and, and nobody wants to answer. No, no, it's, and it's an easy one. I know they know, somebody knows it, but no one wants to answer it. But and then I offer a prize. Okay, well here, how about the Snickers candy bar? Oh, then I got like 10, 10 hands raised, raised and all, everyone wants to answer. I said, well, if you already knew it, why didn't you just raise your hand and volunteer the answer? Okay? So, but when we do it for the Lord, praise God. Imagine how, how it's going to be. When we serve in church for the Lord, okay? When we serve in our neighborhood for the Lord, when the neighbor sees you doing extra uh, around the neighborhood, when we do it in our community, Right now, you know, and I thank God because Pastor Josh has a heart for community. He's talking, he's giving us to that, that we need to focus into our community, all right, and work and serve and, and be a blessing. You know, sometimes the church, before the church, we just wanted to be by ourselves in our own little church and get the blessings and, and just hoard them. But you know, Pastor, the Lord has been speaking to Pastor Josh, and he's been relaying those messages to us as a church, as the body of Christ. You know, we can't be in, in, in our isolation. We have to be uh, 
uh, in community. We have to be together. We have to do things together. And we got to do it with the love of Jesus in our heart. Look, to, look, to, look at others the way Jesus looks at others. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm just as guilty because this, this, this school year the, that we've returned, you know, I was sort of like, uh, like upset that I had to return to work. And my attitude was uh, like, get it done or not, you get an F. But then, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, come on, Pastor Frank. <laughs> you know, that's not, where, where, where are you coming with this attitude? And I said, well, you know, and I didn't have a, a reason really, but I just was getting fed up and I had to say, no, you have to be compassionate. People are going through things. This pandemic has affected people different ways. Students, you know, parents and... Um, you know, some people are trying to show compassion. And then we have, you know, some some people like me that make that mistake and, and don't want to give any compassion. I had one counselor come in and, and ask for this one student. Is this student here? I said, nah, she never been. She's a no-show. I even said it with some some pride. That she's a no-show. Oh, I've been trying. And then she calls me to say, I've been working with a student, you know, her parents, both her parents just passed away from COVID. Now she's living with the ground. Oh, my heart broke. My heart broke. And the Lord told me, where's your compassion? Where's your compassion for the people? And I said, well, Lord, forgive me. Okay, so I have to do my job as a teacher, as, a, as I'm doing it for the Lord. Amen. He's put me in this position where I can touch young lives, you know, and make a difference. And if I don't have compassion for what's going on, you know, they're going to be lost. And this is the way we have to be in all that we do when we serve the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We should never expect special treatment just because our boss or supervisor is a Christian. Don't take advantage of it. Don't ask for extra days off when you know you don't have them. You know, don't tell them to, to fix the books. Oh, you know, well, I don't have enough vacation time, so make it a sick day. No. You know, do what is right. Do what is honest. If you have sick days, take them if you're sick. If you have vacation days, take them and do it the right way. But don't think because your boss is a Christian, he's going to fix it for you. Okay? It said we shouldn't do that. Instead, that should motivate us to work all the harder because we can be a blessing to another brother. Imagine that. If our, if our boss was a Christian, or is a Christian, I should say, that our good work will be a blessing to him and that he could say, God, out of, out of, out of the five employees that I have or out of the 20 employees that, that we have under my care that I manage in this department, my brother in Christ, he has always excelled. He's always doing his best. What a testimony. So we should do that. We should, we should uh, do what Paul is telling Timothy to teach the church. Okay? We should respect and honor our employers. Okay? Have an attitude that presents a clear testimony of God's truth and renown. Never provide people a reason to discredit God's name because of our actions. Praise the Lord. 
honor those employers who are believers again all right that we should be we should ask if they are leading people oh here's a, a point that i put each christian should ask if they are leading people to jesus by how they work or if they are leading people away from jesus by their bad work and testimony at their job huh what do you think about that when when another person talks to talks to people at your job okay because usually you're you're usually not the only christian there there's probably two or three or four maybe even more and one person gets to has the opportunity to to talk to them about the uh, another employee about the, about the lord and then as soon as they start talking about the lord and the blessings that person thinks about you and you say and you 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 want me to be like frank huh no thank you i don't want to believe in jesus then so is our christian work is the way we do our work is it leading people to jesus or is it pushing people away because they don't want to be like our bad christian example we should think about that the way we do our job praise the lord is it bringing people and leading people to jesus amen those are verses one and two paul starts out with with these instructions to timothy to teach the church and then he goes on to um, verse three three to five talks about money contentment and godliness three made three good points here says chapter verse three but if anyone spreads false teaching that does not agree with the healthy instruction of our lord jesus teaching others that holy awe of god is not important then they prove they know nothing at all it's obvious they don't value or hold dear the healing words of our lord jesus christ let me read that in the niv it says if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree otherwise than, than what Paul had just talked about, does not agree to the sound instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ and to the godly teaching, they are conceited and understanding of nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, and evil suspicions. In other words, uh, true religion is at the heart that is conformed to the truth that is given in love and is girded with self-offering this is what the, what paul is telling us telling timothy so you don't it says you don't have to be an active opponent of god's word to be an enemy of it okay if we feel to give the bible its rightful place in our life and in our preaching we oppose god's word how simple is that praise the lord Sometimes we think that, oh, they have to be atheists. You know, you don't even have to be atheists, okay, to be, uh, to be an active opponent of God's word. You can just fail to give the Bible its place and rightful place in our life, in our lives, and in our preaching, in our teaching. And we oppose God that much, just as much, just as much. Amen? God's word should be everything in our life. God's word should be everything in, in the way we talk, in the way we express ourselves, in the way we think, in the way we behave, in the way that we act. God's word should be moving in all those aspects of our lives. 
We don't have to say, I don't believe in God. He is not true. The word is not true. The Bible is, 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 is written by, by a lot of men. You know, we don't have to be out bold-faced uh, opponent to show that, that we are against God. No, simply not putting the Bible in its rightful place in our lives and in, in, in the way we act. Say, it is impossible not to profess any ungodly or manifest error and yet to corrupt the doctrine of godliness by silly, boastful babbling. For when there is no progress or edification from any teaching, it has already departed from the institution of Christ. Calvin said that. Okay, in other words, what is it saying? So it's, it is possible not to profess any ungodly or manifest error. So we don't have to talk about any ungodliness or we have to say there's mistakes. Okay? And yet to corrupt the doctrine of godliness by silly, boastful babbling. It's talking about things that, that, that are not important. You know? Oh, well, women should not do this and men should not do that. You shouldn't walk this way. You shouldn't walk that way. You shouldn't talk like this. You shouldn't talk like that. You shouldn't. You know, making up things that the Bible doesn't even talk about. Living a legalistic life, maybe. Or even from that, even, even, even approving things that are not biblical. Just so that your lifestyle can you, can, you can lavish in your lifestyle. No. Calvin said, you don't have to do that. You don't have to profess any ungodly or manifest error. Just your simple babbling. Your boastful babbling. Paul, the, the other verse, the other verse says, they are conceited and understand nothing. The knowledge that they profess to have is nothing. They are covered with clouds of conceit. They are loaded with controversy, and they love to argue their opinions and split hairs. The fruit of their ministry is contention, competition, and evil suspicions. Those people that are that go against the, the teachings that Paul just said, oh no, you don't have to do that. Your job is your job, and your work is your work, and, and church is church. Separation, separation of church and state, separation of church. There is no separation of church and state in, in, in a Christian, in a believer. There's no such thing. The way we behave for Christ has to be in every aspect of our life. In our job, at our school, at home, in church, everywhere. In the way we conduct business. In the way we behave. We cannot, we, there is no such thing as separation of church and state for a believer. See, stubbornness comes from a powerful ego. And by this, I mean the identification that the soul has with what it believes itself to be. Okay? Somebody that has a, a, a self-belief of themselves. And in no way favors spiritual growth, but rather stops it and provokes arguments, envy, quarrels, insults, and suspicions that come from carnal nature. The mind closed to the truth is anxious. It worries too much about trying to be right and to conceive or to convince with arguments that can only be evident to the heart. Okay? 
that conceitedness, that stubbornness, you know, people thinking for that, that, that there's some something great, you know, they believe themselves to be that. And it says, and in no way favors spiritual growth. You can't grow that way. You know, you never stop learning. Anytime you read the word of God, something new pops up. Something new appears. Okay? But if your heart's, ah, oh, I heard that story before. I, I don't, you know, so you tune yourself out during the service maybe, huh? And you start texting. Who knows? I don't know. I don't watch you. Because I'm in the front row, so I don't know what's going on behind me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But God is watching you. He knows your heart. He sees you. Okay? So if your heart is closed and your mind is closed to God's word every Sunday morning when we're preaching, uh, Wednesday night when we're giving Bible study, God knows that. And if and your heart and your mind is closed, what are you learning? Nothing. Okay? And, and, and the mind close to the truth is, is anxious. It worries too much about trying to be right and to convince with arguments that, that what can only be evident to the heart, okay? So you're trying to convince yourself of, that your lifestyle is the right lifestyle, but it doesn't line up with God's word. So how does that? See, verse 5 says, they add misery to many lies by corrupting their minds and cheating them on the truth. So you're, it's not only your, you don't only do it for yourself, you do it to other people. You, you, you're a contagion, okay? You are, you, 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 you become contagious to other people and you want other people to adopt your way of thinking. They equate the worship of God with making great sums of money. So here he talks about that. This is the constant fiction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means of financial gain. Okay, in other words, it says, where there is no, it says, we have a prophet that is greater than theirs, our holy awe of God, our, his holiness. To have merely our necessities is, is to have enough. The other word, the King James Version, now God is with contentment is great gain. Where there is no satisfaction or gratification that comes from spiritual unity with God, then the constant need to have is born. And man's greatest spiritual gains, a family strengthened in truth, true friendships, and feeling, feeling in his, of his spirit are set aside. In other words, when when riches attack you when you go after riches and you're not satisfied with the knowledge of christ when you're not satisfied with the spiritual gains okay then you you go you set all these things aside and you go after riches you go after money and we're going to talk about that in verse 10 about the love of money that's what some people always contend well it doesn't say money it says the love of money see it's semantics there all right. So, but we're going to talk about that in in a few verses. But what we're saying here in verse six is, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Isn't it wonderful to know the Lord? And isn't that enough? Isn't that enough just to know the Lord that He is your Savior, that He died on the cross for you, that He has washed away all your sins? Amen. 
that he has provided a mansion for you, an eternal mansion, an eternal heaven. Isn't that great? Can we just be satisfied with that? And if, if, if something else comes to us, praise the Lord. But we have, we have many witnesses or testimonies in church, uh, right, where, where people are praying, God, give, give me a job, and God grants them a job, and then afterwards they're working so much they don't have time to come to church anymore. What happened? And like, like I said, we're slaves to other things still, you know? It's good to be, to be a family man. It's good to, to, to help your kids, you know, and, and, be, and have them involved in, in soccer and football and any other sport that they, that they might like. But when that starts taking over church and your time at, at, for the Lord, what then? Watch out. That's just like those riches. Because all those, all that contentment that comes with godliness, okay, that spiritual gain, that strength in family, in truth, true friendships, amen, true friendships, and feeling of his spirit. Wow. Would you rather be filled with the Holy Spirit? Have the Holy Spirit in your life? Or would you rather have money in the bank? Would you rather put all this aside and, and, and work seven days a week and shy away, move away from the, the godliness and, and, and the contentment that, that God gives through knowing him? David would say in the psalm, Lord, don't give me an abundance of, of riches that I forget you, but don't keep me poor that I, I, uh, I scold you or I or I wanna I wanna deny you. Just keep me happy. Isn't it nice to be happy? Praise the Lord. Now godliness with contentment is a great gain. Man, just being with the Lord is wonderful. Just having the Lord in our lives. Wonderful. Verse 7 said, Isn't it true that our hands were empty when we came into this world? And when we leave this world, our hands will be empty again. Praise the Lord. Pastor, I was telling you, who's, 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 who's going to be when you leave? When you slip out of your skin, who's, 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 who's going to be with what you have? Who is it going to belong to? You're fighting, you're struggling, you're struggling, you're striving to, to gain riches and gain riches and working overtime, working double time, working holidays. And, and when you're gone, you're gone. You're not taking anything with you. You know, you, you, like they say, like we say, you may be setting it up for the next guy in line. Who knows? Lately in our church, there's been a lot of uh, uh, second uh, go-arounds for marriage for, for, for widows that have, are in their golden years. And so anything's possible. We have some, some people in our church that 
already, you know, their their spouse passed away. They're already in their 70s, and they're getting remarried. We have a, a friend. I have a friend uh, that uh, one of the deacons in the church that I that I grew up in. I just I called him the other day. I called a family uh, friend of his, uh, a church friend of the new church that he goes to since he moved away. And I was just told that he remarried and he's 94 years old. Wow. So you never know, okay? So it may be for somebody else, all the work that you're doing, all the struggling that you're having, all the, all the striving that you're doing just to gain those riches and it's going to be for somebody else. So just be content. Be content that you know the Lord. Be content that the Lord is in your life. Be content that you can you can praise his name, that you can lift up your hands, you know, and give him glory and praise him. What more do we want? Amen. See, to be satisfied with what you have, you need an understanding of the truth. As Paul mentions in this verse, we brought nothing and we take nothing with us. When you meditate, when we meditate on this truth and it's revealed to our heart, it goes from being just a meaningless knowledge to being something vivid, something that transcends our inner self and takes us to experience it in reality. Because man can only be satisfied by the eternal. The transient is only a conduit to go beyond. So in other words, what really counts is eternal. Is eternal. Okay? This stuff here, monies and riches and things and material things, it's all transient. It's all, it's all going to go away. It's all going to pass away. It's not forever. And that's why the word tells us, don't, don't have your riches here on earth, but place your riches, make your riches up in, up in heaven where, where there is no thief that can, can rob your and steal your, your riches, that the, the, the termite and the, and the dust does not corrupt it, does not whittle, whittle it away. But be content in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. What's so wonderful to, the, to know the Lord? He said, because of this, food and clothing is enough to make us content. Few can be content with so little, but those who seek the truth will gladly find gratification in what they have. They will understand that nothing that their eyes see naturally can satisfy them, and that it takes the eternal for this to happen. Praise the Lord. Nothing that we can obtain in this world is going to give us, is going to satisfy us, is going to give us gratification, is going to say, wow, and, and give our soul and put our soul at ease. Only knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, only being filled with His Holy Spirit. Amen? I tell you, in, in, my, in, my, in my days, in my testimony that I have, uh, um, I w was raised in a church where, you know, we preached the second coming of Christ. And so, so it was like, why go to school? 
you know, uh, my I went to school very late in life. I was 40 years old when I got my my degree. And and because I said, well, yeah, it's true. If Christ comes tomorrow, what do I need a degree for? So I decided not to go to school. But I did decide, praise God, to serve him, to to give my life to Christ, to 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 uh, serve him as a youth leader, to serve him in Sunday school as a Sunday school teacher, the the president of the of the Hovenist. and and you know I'll tell you I don't regret not going to school earlier. I went at the time that God wanted me to go. I I look at it now, okay, because I did not waste my youthful years doing drugs going to parties, going clubbing, and and not doing anything. But I can't count the souls that I help lead to Christ. Amen? And that, it has satisfied me and has made me content, you know. Because if I would have gone into education and, and started teaching, I started teaching when I was 40. If I would have started when I was 20, 25, like the like some young teachers that we have, at this age that I'm now, I would already be able to retire. And I would be saying, hey, goodbye, people. But it's taken a long time. But you know what? I do not regret one year of my life that I dedicated to serving the Lord, helping God's people, worshiping Him, praising Him. And I thank God that now that I'm older, now... You know, retirement's coming to me anyways, so praise the Lord. So I'm not missing out on anything. Praise God. Because of this, food and clothing is enough to make us content. I have been very content, praise God, because God has been in my life. Okay? Verse 9 says, But those who crave the wealth of this world slip into spiritual snares. See? There's the danger. There is a danger. Paul, Paul is telling Timothy, preach this to the church. Tell them, those who crave wealth of this world slip into spiritual snares. Okay? The NIV says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. They become trapped by the troubles that come through their foolish and harmful desires, driven by greed and drowning in their own sinful pleasures. And they take others down with them into their corruption and eventual destruction. Praise the Lord. Amen. Those who seek riches disguise their intentions of deep spiritual need by trying to find passages that are in accordance with their purposes. But those who do but those who do so bear in mind that it is difficult to fall into temptation when one seeks more intensely the material than the spiritual. And sooner or later they will fall into the bondage of desire. Okay? That reminds me of the story of Samson. Okay. He had a blessing on him. He had strength that was given to him by God. And the secret of his strength was his hair, the word says. And Delilah would make him sleep on her lap and say, Tell me, Samson, the strength. Where and where resides your strength? 
and he would make things up. But the last time that he did it, you know, every time the Sam, the Delilah would say, Samson, the Philistines are against you. He would get up and, and, and with that strength and that knowledge of, of, uh, and having the Lord on his side, he would do it. But then that last time, he's, the Bible says that he got up, but he had not yet understood that the Spirit of the Lord had already departed from him. And that's what happens. You're going to seek those riches. And all of a sudden, you're going to be so far away removed from God. So far away removed from the house of the Lord. Oh, a lot of people are saying, no, you don't have to go to church anymore. We can do it by Zoom. God's, anyway, God's everywhere. Yeah, but God has told us, don't forsake the assembly of getting going to church. There's nothing like, like being in, in, in fellowship with the brethren of the church. You can't do that at home by Zoom. We're reaching out to you, but you know, it would be so much better if we could be in person again. And still, some people have decided not to come to church on, on Sundays. Okay? But if you look at their Facebook, you can see them in different parts of, of the town. Some are at, at the restaurants, some are at parties. Okay? They're everywhere, but they're not in church. Well, what's the difference? Put a double mask on or something just and come and fellowship with us. We need to see you and you need to see us. But they've allowed the pandemic to move them further away, further away from church. Okay, we're not we're not uh, we're not high risk. Uh, we're not uh, at a higher risk than than the other places that you visit. It's the same risk. There's still a risk no matter where you go. Yesterday I got an email from, from my school that somebody tested positive, a, a student of mine, and, and they want to know who was in proximity. So I had to give up those names. So it happens. And, and many of the students, some of my, my students in class, I said, they, I said, hey, have you been vaccinated? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they've been vaccinated. So it happens. We don't know. But but some people have, have, have just said, no, we're not going. But like I said, it hasn't stopped them going from anywhere else. So you should already be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. So they said, but those who crave wealth of this world slip into spiritual snares. They become trapped by the troubles that come through their foolish and harmful desires, driven by greed and drowning in their own sinful pleasures. So they look for, for ways to earn money. They begin to cheat, probably. And if you cheat, you're going to get caught. You probably won't get caught tomorrow, but one day you'll get caught. And that day, you're going to be sorry. All right? So that's what, that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Those who get rich fall into temptation and a trap. It's a trap. They're going to want to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go back to church right now. But they're going to say, nah, nah, I'm too tired. Oh, I woke up late. Oh, no, my, my, my blankets are too comfort, comfort, comfortable. My pajamas, you know, I'm going to just, I'm just going to stay in my pajamas and watch it on, on Facebook. So it's easy. 
Verse 10, here we go. The, the popular verse that, that everybody likes to quote. The NIV says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Imagine that. The Passion Bible says, Loving money is a root of all evils. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. Okay? Craving more money pushes them away from the faith into error, compounding misery in their lives. That's what the love of money does. How much money do you need to be, to be satisfied? They asked Rockefeller one time, how much money more, how much money do you need? He said, just a little bit more. He was already a millionaire, I think. I don't know if they had billionaires back then. But he had millions. And they asked him, how much more do you need? He, just a little bit more. He was never satisfied. Money does not satisfy. So, but it, loving that money is the root of all evils. Some people run after it so much that they've given up their faith. This saying about money should be meditated often by those who seek God. Okay, us. Money in itself is not evil, but the desire that guides our hearts to seek it before God has caused many to be lost, many to destroy their homes, others to murder, some to steal, others to give themselves to their carnal passions. Money should Money should serve the purpose for which it was created. If you still suffer for not having it, when you have it, you will still suffer because you will always feel scarce, even in the midst of abundance. It's easy to deviate from the faith when a desire governs the heart of man that they have made the way of faith discredited. So being attentive to our desires that arise from the carnal nature, let us yield them to the obedience of God. Amen? We should meditate on this ourselves. As men and believers of God, as seekers of God. Money in itself is not evil. Let me repeat it. But the desire that guides our hearts to seek it before God. If your desire is to seek money before God, you're going to fall into a trap. Again, it says many have been lost. Many destroy their homes. Money becomes an issue. Others to murder. We've heard that in the news many times. The one man that killed that his his partner and and all his family and buried them over in San Bernardino somewhere because he needed to he wanted the money of, from the company. Sister Mabel behaved. <laughs> all right, so. So, so, 
So seeking money before God, that's what happened. It's a trap. So remember that. And us as, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, we should think about that. Like the, like the word said here. Let me see where it went. Godly, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Praise the Lord. Long as I have some frijolitos and a tortilla, I'm fine. I don't need to have caviar and champagne. No, I don't. Long as I have some frijoles and some pan, some or tortilla, praise the Lord. But the Lord is in my life. But the pres His presence is in my life. His Holy Spirit is filling my heart. His word is transforming, transforming me daily. Praise the Lord. How that is wonderful. That is gain. Because money, if money makes you happy, like people say, why do so many rich people kill themselves? Why do they commit suicide? I don't understand that. So we definitely conclude that money does not give you happiness. Money does not fill that void. The only one that can fill that void is Christ Jesus and make you whole. Amen. Praise the Lord. People feel lost in the crowd. I've heard that saying before. People feel lost in the crowd. People that have people there are people that have people all around. They be they're in the middle of a crowd and they still feel lonely. Why? Because they're looking for things that do not fill. But Christ fills our heart. His presence fills our heart. His Holy Spirit fills our lives. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's it, brothers and sisters. That's all we have time for. Praise God. I hope you enjoyed the word today. Amen. So let our work ethic preach for us too. Okay? Let the way you do your job preach. Amen? Preach to, the, to those around you. And are you winning and leading others to Christ through your work ethic and your hard work and your good work? Or are you pushing them away? Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it continue to bless us in our heart, Lord, and that we can apply it to our lives, Lord. And if in any way we have faltered, Lord, forgive us and let us make things new. Let us have a new beginning, Lord, where our worth ethic preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives and transforms those that are around us. Father, we give you the praise and the glory. Amen. Church, it's been wonderful to be with you. God bless you all. Let's see you Sunday, and let's keep praising the Lord. God bless you. Amen.